It's good to be with you today. How's everybody doing? Come on, we're good, aren't we? We're in God's presence. It's good. It really is. We're in God's presence. It's good. And the idea of family, that we are a spiritual family. And so the big idea right off the bat this morning, church is not a place I go nor an event I attend, but it's a spiritual family I belong to. And all the connotations that we think of, of God's idea and his picture and his perception of a great family. And that's what he's wanted from the very beginning, the church of Jesus Christ, a family. So we looked at Acts chapter 2 last week, and we looked at some key components to the church family. And we looked at some key components, and we think about, well, what is church all about? What should we be doing? And if we're not careful, we make this thing very complicated and very confusing, and we want to break it down. Here's the nuts and bolts. Here it is. What were they doing? What were they all about? And that should be for us today also. I believe it hasn't changed. So we look in Acts chapter 2. They're all about Jesus, that you need to be born again saved. How, how many are thankful you're born again today? You're saved. Amen? It's all about Jesus. That's the number one in our core values right here. All about Jesus. They were committed to God. They were committed to each other. They went public with their faith. They were baptized in water like we were doing last, last week, devoted to the Word of God. They understood and they believed that this is their lifeline. They were devoted to the teaching, the apostles, to the Word of God. They were devoted that this was God's inspired Word, infallible, without error. It was we could build our life on God's Word. They fellowshiped. They were living life together. They ate meals together. They took communion. They served. They ministered. And these people, they were ordinary. Come on, we're just ordinary people, aren't we? Ordinary people, they, they were mobilized effectively, and they began to change cities and countries with the gospel of Jesus Christ. These ordinary people filled with the Holy Spirit. They were afraid, unsure, but they were transformed into leaders that influenced the world for Jesus Christ. I believe God can do the same today. I believe that. I believe as we're here today, just ordinary people, God wants to do the very same thing with us right now. We've complicated this thing. We've made this thing confusing. And so, if you would with me, let's stand together and get right into God's Word this morning. I'm going to ask a, a very important question in just a moment, and it seems so simple that I think we miss it. We don't hear it. And so, in just a moment, I'm going to ask that question. Then I'm going to end the service by asking that, that question again. And so, uh, and at the end of the service, I'm going to have to leave quickly. Teresa has to catch a flight to Arizona, and I'm her ride. And so either this is going to be a short sermon, right on time sermon. I'm really going to mess this up and make everybody late today. And so uh, and uh, I don't want to have to blame the Holy Spirit that he made us late today. It's probably just me, not the Holy Spirit. But anyway, take your Bible. I want to hear from God today. How about you? I really do. That's why we're here this morning corporately. We're the church of Jesus Christ, individually, together. This is what's most important to Jesus, his church. Everywhere they went, we read the New Testament, 
they established churches. They established churches from city to city, town to town, country to country, the church of Jesus Christ. He's all about his church. We're the church. Tell your neighbor, we're the church. Come on, we're the church. Let's say it together. We're going to hear from God this morning. This is my Bible. This is the Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. When I read and hear the Word, faith comes to my spirit. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God, and it will change my life. I'll never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sound really good this morning. Use your app. Download the notes. Use your handout. I want to talk about this hearing from God today, and as we said that, and he'll change your life. More than 50 years ago, Dr. Alfred Tomatis was confronted with the most curious case of his 50-year career as an otolaryngologist. Opera singer came to him, a very successful opera singer, renowned. He had mysteriously lost his ability to hit certain notes that were well within his vocal range. He'd been to other ear and nose and throat specialists, and all of them thought it was a vocal problem. But Dr. Tomatis thought otherwise. The doctor discovered that even the average opera singer produces 140 decibel sound waves at a meter's distance. This is slightly louder than a military jet taken off an aircraft carrier, and it's even louder when it's inside your own skull. That discovery led to his diagnosis. The opera singer, this is what I want you to hear today. You see, I've been reading several books like I normally do. How many ever find yourself reading one book, I mean, more than one book at a time? Yeah, so I've had like three books going, and, and this is one of them, and I think it's a very important book because it's really at a place I'm at right now, and it's Whisper, Hearing the Voice of God, and, and this is why this spoke to me as he started this book. The other book is Dr. Carolyn Leaf uh, that I've been reading uh, about uh, our mind and changing our thinking based on the Word of God, and the other one was a leadership book by John Maxwell. Anyway, that's what I've been reading lately, just so you know. Good stuff to read right beside the Bible. I read the Bible. I recommend you read the Bible along with all of that. But the voice, and this is what he said happened. The opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. Selective muteness was caused by selective deafness. If you can't hear a note, you can't sing that note. The voice only produces what the ear can hear. And so this became known as the Tomatis effect. And so as you think of that, you know, if you're like me, you have some problems in life at times. Anybody have some problems? Yeah, we do. And, and have you ever found out that in your problem, you have another problem, it's your problem-solving skills that you're having a problem solving the problem. And maybe your skills aren't the right skills to solve that problem, and I may need some different skills. Come on, I see some people, yeah. So we look at this, we all have problem with our solving problem techniques. And as the book says, maybe that's because we're treating symptoms while ignoring the root cause. 
a spiritual tomatus effect. Is it possible that what we perceive to be the relational, emotional, and spiritual problems are actually hearing problems, ears that have been deafened to the voice of God? That's what I want you to hear today. And the inability to hear His voice that causes us to lose our voice and lose our way. I want you to hear something this way. The church, this first church, encountered this problem. The church grew, the church spread. It encountered this problem from time to time to time again and again, hearing the voice of God. If you look in the Old Testament, what happened with God's people? The problem of hearing the voice of God and responding to the voice of God. In the early church, that New Testament church, also had this problem. And I believe today we are encountering the very same problem. Problem. So here's the statement that I want you to hear. Learning to hear the voice of God is your solution to a thousand problems right there. I want to hear the voice of God. How about you? Learning to hear the voice of God. It's also the key to discovering our destiny, fulfilling our potential individually as the church, together corporately as the church, because God's voice is power, amen? God's voice is healing. God's voice is wisdom. God's voice is love. And God's voice is joy. His voice is love. And so if your life is off key right now, if the church is a little bit off key right now, maybe it's because we have been deafened by the self-talk that we are telling ourselves. We have our opinions and our viewpoints, and we want to make ourselves heard. Maybe we need to stop and hear the voice of God so we have something to say today. Maybe we're hearing and we're being deafened by the negative self-talk that doesn't let God get a word in edgewise. Maybe you've listened to the voice of criticism for too long and you can't believe anything else about yourself. Or maybe it's the enemy's voice of condemnation that speaks loud the lies about who you really are. And if you don't silence, and if we don't silence those competing voices, they'll eventually deafen you. You won't be able to sing God's song because you won't be able to hear God's voice. And so here's the question. It's simple, but it's real, and I believe it's big. Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? Hmm. Is it culture? Is it media? Is it social media? Is it hurts and wounds from the past? Is it a report from the doctor? Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? That's the question for us as the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. That's a question for us right now as Morning Star Fellowship. Is God's voice the loudest voice in our life? If your answer and our answer is I'm not sure or no, we have a problem. I want to hear the voice of God. I want us to hear the voice of God. And that first church, it spread, and they begin to have some problems, and they had culture classes and social economic classes, clashes, and they had uh, clashes uh, of just uh, of, uh, uh, of different races taking place. And, and then they didn't hear something Jesus had said. 
Because Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And we look at this first church, and it said, we said last week that 3,000 were saved. The church was established. Another time, 5,000. It says that every day people were coming in. What did they not do? They stayed in Jerusalem, and they made church a country club. And God was doing great things and wonderful things, but they failed to, say it with me, go. And they didn't go. And God hold, got a hold of one man named Saul in Acts chapter 9, who he turned into the apostle Paul, and Paul said, and he heard the words go. Say it with me again, go. He heard the words go. And so we look at that first church in about 33 AD. Now we're going to go to the church in about 61 AD, a church in a town called Colossae. These are the Colossians. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, and we see that Paul wrote to this church, and he's in a Roman prison cell. And the church's pastor is Epaphras, and they're meeting in the home of Philemon. And you've heard these names in the New Testament. And they had some problems in this church. We think there's only problems in, in, in the church in, in 2019 or 2020. You read the New Testament, it can be encouraging in this fact. They had problems. That encourages me. You know why they had problems? They were full of people. How many's noticed we have problems? You've got stuff. We've got problems. Yeah. We have baggage we bring into this thing called following Jesus Christ. We bring baggage and our stuff into the church of Jesus Christ. And as long as there's people, there's going to be problems. So we need to learn how to get along with people and problems and work through our stuff to be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because some people say, as I said, what's your idea of church? Some people say, my idea of church is I want to go out into nature and just spend the day alone with God in his nature. Well, there's some truth to that. God created everything. It's a wonderful thing. I, I'm not opposed to that. But God says we do that. That's in addition to not forsaking ourselves together, that we come together today because we can't do this alone. It's not solo. We do church together with each other. With all of our problems and all of our stuff, we do this together. I've thought about it a different way, but it just isn't going to work another way. I, we got to do it God's way. And you think I haven't thought about it another way? I have. But we're going to have to do this with all of your stuff and my stuff together. So we look at some characteristics of Jesus' church. And we're going to look at some things, first of all, something we were singing about. We're going to look at some things we need to put off and some things we need to put on. But we have good news in this as we're going to look into these verses together. Verse 1 through 16, just kind of break it down. And for us to look like the church of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul who's writing this says, it's going to take some self-discipline. We need to make a choice and make up our mind. This is who I want to listen to, this is who I want to follow, and this is who I want to be. This is my desire. And then, aren't you thankful we have the help of the Holy Spirit? Amen? Because I can't do this with willpower. I can make a decision, but the Holy Spirit's going to help me. And the battle begins in our mind. We make that choice. So verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in His resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above. He says, keep seeking. That means this is an ongoing process. 
in our life each and every day, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth, which have temporary value, for which you have died. For you died to the world, and your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. And Paul uses these words, set, to think, use your mind, make a choice, focus on. He's saying it's easy to get distracted. Make a choice to look to and to listen to Jesus. Make a deliberate choice. I want your voice to be the loudest voice in my life. And he says, you have a new position now. He says, Christ is seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places. That's your spiritual position. You have a new position. And with our new position, we should get a new perspective. And what we need to do is really, we need to cast away some specific vices that we're going to look at because he's going to help us put on some new virtues this morning, this new life that he has for us. And so if you get rid of some things in your life, and we've all, I think, been there, and some of us are still there, and I think as long as we're on planet Earth, there's some things that we're going to be getting rid of, some negative things. How many want to get rid of some negative things today? Some harmful things. How many recognize there's some harmful things? And sometimes some outright evil things that when we want to get rid of those things and we're removing them by the help of the Holy Spirit out of our life, there is a void now in our life and we have to fill that void. If we don't fill that void, not with just good things, helpful things, but if we don't fill that void with the things of God, those things come back, but they don't only just come back, they come back in spades. They come back in a huge way in our life, bigger and badder than they ever were before. How many is with me here? You understand what I'm talking about? So I want to fill my life with some good things, the things of God. And so Paul instructs us to put off some things and to put on some things like you would clothing this morning. First of all, put to death your old lifestyle. This is what he calls us to do in verse 5. He says, deprive that lifestyle of its power. He says, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And then he begins to talk about some specific things that we look at called, called sin, that, that we've all been there, done that, and, and we're praying and, and, and believing God that uh, they're leaving our life, and they can be, because he's breaking the chains, amen? Fornication, uncleanness, this passion or lust, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And we may not have little idols set up, but there's many things in our life, if we're not careful, they can begin to take the place of God in our life that only He should have. Replaces the worship of God in our life, first place in our life. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, and another version says, and I think we need to hear it this way, those who fail to listen. Those who fail to listen, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. So Paul is saying this. He's saying, let the old life die. We can't suppress these desires. 
We can't try to control these acts and these attitudes. He says we need to wipe them out. And the form of the verb right here makes it clear it's to be done with an urgency. It says it may be a little painful, but we need to make up our mind and make the choice that when you eradicate something, it may hurt a little bit, but we need to do this as soon as possible. You need to do this as quick as you can. And he puts the catalog uh, of these sins, and he talks about the sexual immorality and the impure thinking and our words and our actions, but the thought is, it has to be done. How many's ever talked, well, how many talk to yourself? Come on. I do all the time. I don't like some of the answers I give myself, but how many's ever, and we've all done this, I will never, ever do this again. I'm not going to think this thought anymore. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I refuse to think about it. And what are you doing? You begin to think about that all the more. I'm not going to use this language anymore. It's not God honoring. It's not pleasing to the Lord. It's not my new life. I need to lay it down. I need to stop. I am not going to say these words anymore. I'm not. And you focus on those words. What happens? Wow. They're there in bold varsity letters in your mind. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to think these sexual thoughts anymore. You think sexual thoughts. I'm not going to have sex outside of marriage. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look at porn anymore. I'm not going to be selfish anymore. I'm not going to be greedy anymore. Whatever it is, I'm not going to, you know, you know how many used to be smokers and you don't smoke anymore? Thank God. But it didn't help by, it didn't work. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. You know, that didn't do it. You know, think about that. You know, and from time to time, Teresa and I, you know, we, we do fasting and it's for time or, or it's been a, a, just a day. And there's been times I, I, I fasted uh, of no food, uh, but I had water and I didn't fast coffee. And there's been times I'm not going to have coffee when I fast. And I think, what in the world was I thinking when I said to God, I'm not going to have coffee? I'm doing pretty good without the sandwiches and without the meal, but come on, coffee. And the more I thought about not having coffee, the more I wanted coffee. And everywhere I went, I smelled coffee. Come on, I got to have coffee. Coffee's not a sin, God. You know it's not a sin. But I said, you're not going to have coffee today. I want to have coffee today. You know, we, you just, you got to replace that with the things of God. I'm never, ever again. Well, that word passion here means uncontrolled desire to have more, and the question is, how much is enough? And as somebody said, just a little bit more, because enough is never enough without God. Verse 6, the wrath of God is coming. And so he says in this life, you know, what, what, what you sow, you're going to reap, and that's part of that, and one day we're going to stand before God if we refuse to listen. Whose voice is the loudest in your life? And then we look at verse 7, and thank God, he uses the past tense, emphasizes this kind of life belongs in the past of the Christ follower. The church should be done with it. We can kill it. That's who I used to be. I have been set free. That doesn't define me anymore in Jesus' name. And the picture really is, it has to be abrupt, and painful if you're going 
to move on with Jesus Christ. And the picture here is of the mountain climber, and this has actually happened. You've read these stories, and one was maybe a couple years ago, but the mountain climber fell from his lofty position, and he's out there, isolated, all alone, shouldn't have been alone because we do this together. It's not a solo act, but the mountain climber was alone. We shouldn't be alone as the church of Jesus Christ, but he's out there alone. He falls into the crevices of the rock, and he is actually wedged in there and stuck, and he begins to realize he can't get out. Nobody's coming for him. Nobody knows where he's out at, and if he's going to be free, and if he's going to live, he has to pull out his knife, and he cuts his arm off so he can live. We've got to kill the old man if we're going to live and have the new life that God has for us. Say it with me, kill it. Come on, we got to kill it. We got to kill it. We can do it. The Lord enables us. Put off the practices of your old life, number two. This morning, verse eight, but now you yourselves are to put off all these things. Anger, okay? We've read a few things already, and some of you felt pretty good. Well, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, anger. And we like to tell ourselves, oh, but I'm angry and I'm not sinning. I, I, I got to be honest with you, most of the time it isn't righteous, godly anger. Most of the time when we're angry, yeah, we're, we're sinning. Yeah, I've tried to kid myself before too. Yeah, I'm angry. You know why I'm angry? Because I felt disrespected. You know why I'm angry? I, 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 I felt like you didn't pay attention to me. You know why I'm angry? I felt like I'm right and you're wrong. You know why? You see what I'm talking about? Most of the time... It really is sinful anger. And what does he say? He tells us there, put off these things, sinful anger, put off wrath, malice, slander, filthy language, there it is. And really he talks about obscene or abusive language to each other. The thing is we can tear each other down or we can build each other up. I want us to build each other up. Amen? Let's build each other up. Then he says here, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with its deeds. Do not lie. The Bible has a lot to say about lying. I begin to really, when I look into the word of God, our God hates lying. My wife, great mother, she hates lying. Our boys who are now men, if they tried to lie to her, look out, when they were growing up. And I would tell them, you better not. You're lying to me is bad enough, but if you're lying to your mother, the thing is she knows you're lying. So you better come clean. So you don't try to lie to her. God has a lot to say about this lying thing. And when he said, the old man with its deeds... Now, I think of that old rock song, Dirty Deeds Done Cheap. It's not cheap, it's costly. There's a price to pay right there. I never got away cheap with these dirty deeds going on right here. But the lying. And if we have a tendency to lie, it's essential that we correct that right away. And we usually lie because we're insecure. And we need to hear something today. You don't have to keep... And what are we talking about lying? just in situations to make ourselves look better, kind of twist things a little bit, place ourselves in a better light, kind of change maybe some of the facts in, in the story. 
And the thing here is with the lying, it's because we're really insecure and we can stop it because now if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, your identity now is in Jesus Christ. That's your security right now today. I can stop twisting the facts to make myself look better. I'm going to tell you, pastors excel in this. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? it? We do. I don't want to. I want to make sure I don't. I don't want to be a liar. Pastors like to do this, you know? You get together with a group of pastors, and it doesn't take long. I mean, it's quick. How big is your church? How many people go to your church? You talk about church, you talk about money, you talk about... Pastors like to make themselves look good and twist the facts and twist the truth. And I'm going to tell you, you know, the Colossae church, they were showing up, and Paul was proud of them and loved them, but he said, you've got a problem you keep putting on the mask. You show up and you put on the mask. You show up and you put on the mask. You show up in a place you should be authentic and real with one another and accepted here that you should not have any mask. And 15 years ago when we started the Morning Star Fellowship, and it's true today, I don't want us to show up and have to keep the mask on. I want us to be real and authentic and genuine. May this be one place on the face of the earth that we can show up and take off our mask and love on each other. Amen? Get real. They struggle with this honesty thing. And then put on the new person. Verse 10. And have put on the new spiritual self who is being continually renewed. This is a process each and every day. In true knowledge, in the image of him, Jesus Christ, who created the new self, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, between nations, nor in status, slave or free, but Christ is all in all, and also believers are equal in Christ without distinction. So as God's own chosen people, who are holy, set apart, sanctified for his purpose, and well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, I'm praying this for myself. I don't want to just go through motions. I don't want Morning Star Fellowship just go through motions. I don't want you as an individual to go through motions. Put on compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper, bearing graciously with one another, and willingly forgiving each other if one has a cause for complaint against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. The metaphor is like putting on clothing and putting off clothing and putting on Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you have had a radical, life-changing experience now because Jesus Christ has come into your life, and it needs to be considered, it's radical. How many would say today, I've had a life-changing experience, Jesus got a hold of my life? Come on. Say, it needs to be radical. Life-changing experience. That's who I was. 
This is who I am, and this is where I'm going. It's not so much of where I've been. What matters is where I am going. This is who God is to me. This is what God's doing in me. This is where I want to go. Put off the old self with its habits and its characteristics and its actions. We put on the new person, and we can do this. I mean, you know, we can do this. He says right here, here's how. This is who you are right now. New position. I want you to get a new perspective. Many times we have that new position, but we don't see our new perspective. Right now, you are chosen. I'm chosen. Isn't it a great thing to be chosen? How many people like to be rejected? Eh, I don't want you. No, thank you. Nah. Chosen. Man, remember when you were in school? Out in the playground? Man, you're picked. We're going to play kickball. You're chosen. We're going to play dodgeball. Yeah, we get to throw balls at each other. That's a great thing, isn't it? Chosen. Come on, get a little older. She chose me. Woohoo. Yeah, she likes me. Not you, me. Yeah, she rejected you, but she chose me. Yeah. You asked her out. She said no. I asked her out. She said yeah. Yeah, she chose me. I asked her to marry me, and she said, yes. What in the world were you thinking? My goodness. Wow, what a step of faith right there. Chosen. You're chosen by God, amen? You may have been rejected by somebody somewhere at some time, but you're chosen by God. And then he says, you're holy. How can I take off? How can I put to death? I'm chosen and I'm holy. Set up, separated from all that stuff that he's been naming right now, listing right now. He separated me from that and he set me apart unto himself. And that's that theological word, that doctrinal word, sanctification. He's working in me. He has worked in me. He's working in me today. He's going to be working in me tomorrow. I'm holy. I'm chosen. Oh, look at this. I'm loved. That's what he says. Loved. Isn't it wonderful to be loved? How many like love? Come on. Love. Do you know somebody that could use some love? That's why I'm calling us church. Is God's voice the loudest voice in our life? There's people you know that they're hurting. They're doing the things they're doing because they're hurting. They're hurting. Every day, we have these opportunities because we encounter people. People, people problems. Are we going to react in ugliness to them? Or are we gonna just going to say, they need to be loved. They need the love of Jesus. Man, if you're in school, you know, in high school, man, that girl sitting next to you, she just needs the love of Jesus. That guy needs the love of Jesus. Those students that are driving you crazy, crazy teacher, they need the love of Jesus. That coworker needs the love of Jesus. That guy, that girl in your Bible study connect group, and even some of us can really irritate one another, they need the love of Jesus. That person you sleep with every night and the pillow next to you, they need the love of Jesus. Amen? Come on. <coughs> we, we talk. Man, that guy that cuts you off 
in traffic, need the love of Jesus. That guy that's riding your bumper, you know, that could be me. I need the love of Jesus. I have a problem sometime. At least go to speed limit, please. Come on. Can you do that much? We got to go. We got things to do, people to see. Come on, you know. And while those people are bugging you, you know what? You're bugging them. I can let it go, and I can forgive them because it says right here, he's forgiven me. (coughs) Amen? With my stuff, I have been forgiven by the best, and I can forgive That guy that walked out on you, that girl that walked out on you, that friend that you don't have anymore, leave that in the hands of God. Let it go. Forgive them. You've been forgiven. And when I live in that atmosphere, in that reality, I'm free to be who God wants me to be and do what he wants me to do. I'm going to be an influencer. Excuse me. (coughs) Got a little allergy thing going on. Number four, I'm going to wrap it up. Here's the big one. This is the flex seal right now that's going to hold this together. Put on love, right? I said love. How many can use some love? Love. How many know somebody needs some love? Love. Let somebody's face show up in your thinking right now. I looked at a few things. (coughs) I think... Some people really need to know that they're chosen, holy, and loved, and they don't realize that. And we could get into a whole other topic, but there's no way this is from God when in America last year, over 47,000 people took their life, committed suicide, the most precious gift that God has for us. That voice loud in your head, Whose voice do you hear the loudest? The enemy's telling you, there's no hope. There's no way out. This is never going to turn around. Take your life. End it all right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I believe many of us have heard that voice at one time or another. You might as well die. It'd be better if you were dead. That is from the pit of hell. That's from the enemy. Precious gift of life. People need to know they're chosen, they're holy, and they're loved. Drug overdoses, over 68,000 last year in America. It's a no-brainer. Drugs are from the pit of hell. That's not the answer. There's a life. And there is a radical life change. And there is a presence of the Lord Jesus Christ that could come in your life every day and will give you something drugs will never, ever give you. And they'll take you through situations you think you can't get through. When we talk about the verse, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, I'm not talking about I'm going to play quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's not going to happen. But that's going to, that tells me, I can get through any and every season of life. I can make it. I'm going to go through it, and I'm going to go on the other side of it. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen?
abortions. And none of this is guilt or condemnation in anyone because God wants to bring healing and hope to your life. And he wants to know that you are loved and you are chosen and you are holy. But in the world last year, worldwide, the leading cause of death worldwide, 41 million abortions. People just need to know that God loves them. This is the flex seal, the glue that holds us together. Love, above all these things, put on love. Say it with me, love. love. Put on love. And the reason we have trouble doing that is because we operate in fear most of the time. Fear is a liar. Fear says, keep your mask on. Fear says, I can't be real. Fear says, I can't let down the wall. Fear says, I can't be genuine. Fear says, I can't be myself. But God says, fear is a liar. And the antidote to fear is not bravery, is not courage, but it's the perfect love of God which casts out all fear. Amen? Whose voice is the loudest in your life this morning? Jesus himself said, and the world will know that you are my followers and my people and my church, my disciples, because you're cool and you're hip and you have skinny jeans and guitars and drums and... No? The world will know you're my disciples because you do these outreaches. Well, that could help a little bit. The world will know you're my disciples because you have love for each other. Amen? Man, what should we be doing as a church of Jesus Christ? I think we should start with loving each other. I think that might make a radical difference right now. That's not easy. I'm going to ask you to do something and get out of your comfort zone and kind of burst our little bubble we come in here with. I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. Well, I, I think what a difference it would make the people we encounter this week if we would just kind of back off a little bit and say they just need a little bit of love. Man, what, why, what a testimony. Man, I, I pray. What a testimony to our community if we'd be known as, man, those people really love at Ninth and Main. Those people at Morningstar Fellowship, they really, really love. That doesn't mean we please everybody, but the love will be evident. How many hear that today? So I ask you to stand because I'm going to ask you to step out and go to somebody. And, and if you know me, I hug people, but I don't hug every single person because I'm challenged in that area. You know, you know I, I don't like styrofoam cups. And I love everybody, and I'm your pastor, and I really do. But we're going to get out of our comfort zone, hug somebody. And if you don't know their name, ask them their name and say, I love you in Jesus' name. I love you. I love you. That's going to help you just, I think, a physical demonstration. Okay, you can do it now. Let's do that. We're going to do that. <coughs> I do. I love you, John. I'm so glad you guys showed up 15 years ago. You're here.
That sounds so simple. So here's a prayer. I want us to pray this morning. Prayer partners, you can come, and, and if after we pray and close right here, if you feel you want to pray and somebody agree with you, please do that. So whose voice has allowed us in your life? And, and if you're a parent, that's a 24-7 that's a job. Your home is noisy. And you've got a career or a job, you're just going full speed. There's a lot of voices there in your life. Whether you're a man, you're a woman, that career's going, it's loud. You're a student, so many subjects. You're an athlete, so much going on. You're involved in extracurricular activities. There's so many voices. But I think if we would stop, I look back at the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 3, there was a young boy. And he kept hearing a voice. And the priest said to him, I believe, Samuel, God is trying to speak to you and tell you something. I encourage you to respond this way to the Lord. So this is the prayer. And it sounds so simple, and it is, but if we are sincere, we mean it. We're going to go to another level. We're going to see God do some more things in and through us. And the prayer is this, speak, Lord for your servant is listening. Speak, Lord. Your church is listening. I'm not trying to give my opinion on what I think I know and what I think you're saying today. I don't want to respond to everything that is being said. I need to give my rebuttal. I need to give my viewpoint. I need to tell people what I think. But, Lord, speak your servants listening we do that individually we do that as couples and families we do that as morning star fellowship i believe god will give us something to say and people will listen to us they'll recognize we have a word from the lord how many is willing to pray that prayer this morning speak lord i'm listening here i am You know, I get all these pastor articles and it says, five, whatever things pastors fear. Number one, some of those I didn't relate to. The first one I thought was very real. Our fear is that we're not making a difference. We're not influencing. We don't have something to say. And that's my fear for us as a church. Lord, here I am. I'm willing to pray that prayer today. We're going to listen. We're going to listen today. We're going to listen tomorrow. My ear is attentive to you above all the other voices that are clamoring for my attention. I want to hear your voice above them all. In your name I pray. And everyone say, Amen. Let's sing this together. We're going to close. Amen.